Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm one of your hosts, and it's with great pleasure we are back with you once again with some uh, talk around all things cruise. Now, this week's episode is a little shorter than usual, though we're a bit short on time for recording, and to be perfectly honest, there's not an awful lot of cruise news around, but we've got the usual format, we've got a little bit of... Uh, Listener questions. Uh, we've got a fact of it and some cruise news that we've picked up from around the world. So Chris will be joining us in just a very second. Quick thank you to uh, those of you that continue to send in questions. Uh, we've got a quite a little uh, queue in the pipeline, so we'll be answering a couple of those in just a moment. Uh, if you do want to send a question in yourself, you can do so via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show in the top right-hand corner, and uh, that's how you send it through. Of course, and of course, thank you for those of you that are continuing to listen, like, subscribe, and share the podcast. It's great to see some new listeners all around the world. And finally, a reminder, I only realised this week that not the entire back catalogue is available on each and every podcast directory. They only display the most uh, 15, 20 or so episodes, but of course, there are 141 episodes on the uh, the website. So if you do want to listen to anything in the back catalogue, just head across to thebigcruisepodcast.com. And that's where you'll find everything we've done to date. But let's get this uh, podcast on the the water, as it were. Let's get Chris on the line and let's start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. Once again, it's our favourite time of the show when we welcome back our good friend and maritime historian, Chris Frame. Hello, my friend. Hello. How are you going? Good, mate. Good. You got a bit of a deep husky voice going on. I do. I've been out of the weather all week this week. It's been um, it's been horrible, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But, it's that um, time of year, isn't it? Everything's going around. I think uh, everybody I know has got somebody that they know that's sick at the minute. Yeah, it's, everyone's dropping like flies in in our part of the world at the moment. So, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's uh, on the mend, which is good. Oh, good, good. And well enough and... to be doing this, which is great. But I'm not as prepared as usual. I don't have a, a fully um, 
fleshed out maritime history segment this time around, unfortunately. That's all right. We're pretty short on time anyway, so let's um, let's jump straight on in. Um, first of all, we had uh, a great list of questions from Chris. I'm actually going to hold back till next week, yep. um, but I will send that through to you to do a bit of research on Chris because I think it's going to be quite a good one. Um, secondly, Damien from Liverpool asks, Chris slash Baz, Europe appears to be the modern leader in construction of passenger ships, but are there any Australian shipbuilders of significance? Yes, that's an interesting question. I mean, Europe's definitely um, at the forefront now, and they have been for, for for centuries, really, I suppose. Mm. I mean, obviously, there was shipyards in, in all parts of the world because in historic terms, nations used to build their own ships. They didn't used to generally yeah. outsource the construction of their ships. Um, over here in Australia, we have we have several shipbuilders that, um, that existed and have have since shut down, but others that are still in operation and, and quite mm. well known around the world. I think probably one of the best known ones um, would be Austral Ships. Um, they're here, aren't they? They're in. They're, they're based in Western Australia, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It, and um, but they also have. I think they have hubs in other ports as well. Um, yeah. And they build um, sort of large to mid-sized um ferries and catamarans but they also build naval vessels and they've been mm. involved in in building some ships for the the royal australian navy um we also have in in western australia but also in um victoria there's bae systems which is um better bae is better known obviously for aviation but they have a that's what i was thinking yeah 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 they have a massive um sort of portfolio and, and they build they have shipbuilding capabilities and they have they have yards in WA and in Victoria, mm. um, there's the, um, the probably the one well, of the most famous ones is the Cockatoo Docks and Engineering Company, yep. and Cockatoo Dry Dock, which is uh, was in was in Sydney, but th- they they were in operation all the way up until 1992, but they've they've shut down. But you, you'll hear me talk about them from time to time because um, they refurbished uh, the Queen Mary for her wartime service. Oh. There's a company called Incat, which is large catamarans that they they're based in um, in Hobart, mm-hmm. Tasmania. Okay. Um, and then there's another company, um, Norman Wright and Sons, based in Brisbane, and I'm pretty sure that they were the ones who built the ferries for the Brisbane River. Uh, okay. Um, yep. The Brisbane River service. Um, and there's a couple of others, you know, scattered about the place that do that do smaller um, level stuff and the. There's there's dry dock facilities for um, primarily for the naval vessels here, but if you need to have your ship dry docked in Australia, you can do that. So mm. there's um, there's several yards, but nothing to the same scale as what you'd find in in Italy or Germany or France. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. Well done, mate. Um, we have another question. This time they didn't leave their name though; uh, they just sent it through the website. So uh, apologies, can't give you recognition. Chris slash Baz, have you ever visited the Barcelona Maritime Museum? I recently visited and highly recommend a visit. Just a short walk from the port area. It was the former Royal Dockyards of Barcelona and houses some great content from the 15th century right up to present day, including a replica Royal Galleon over 60 meters in length and powered by 59 oars and 100 sorry, 236 rowers, wow, <laughs> and a fully operational schooler to mention just a few. Now, I have to admit... I haven't been there, and I've lived in and around Barcelona for quite a few years in a former life, so uh, that's now on my list. How about you? Uh, no, I've never been either, so that, that's something if I, if I end up in Barcelona to, to check it out. Mm. Um, you said that came from an unknown listener. Yeah, yeah, they didn't put their name oh, in the uh, oh, submissive via the website, so uh, apologies, can't give you any recognition, but uh, yeah, no, nice little tip, thank like you. A very interesting museum. In fact, there's, there's lots of wonderful maritime museums in many of the um, world's great ports, um mm. and you know 
fortunate enough to have visited quite a few of them. But uh, this one here with a, um, I mean, powered by 236 rowers. That's quite remarkable, really, <laughs> when you think about how much things have changed in the years since. Exactly, exactly. No, I definitely added it onto my list. And if uh, I end up in Europe uh, this year or next, I will certainly uh, try and uh, head into there. Um, no, I do have a fact or fiction for you this week. Oh, do you? Oh, okay. Fact or fiction. Come on then, hit me okay. with it. Okay, so um, this one's got a maritime potential maritime history uh, angle on it too. Uh, so on the early P&O cruisers... A popular deck game included lining beer bottles up on the deck and pushing them to the other side using a long stick. This is what passengers would do to keep themselves entertained. Lining beer bottles up on one side of the ship and pushing them to the other with a stick. That's a very popular game back in the uh, back in the day. So um, you reckon? I'm going to say no. I'm going to call you bluff on this one. Do you think so? Yeah. <laughs> well, we've already got um, other deck games that they could have done instead. Yeah, well, actually, this is fact. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a game called Push the Bottle, if you can believe it. Um, push so the Bottle. Push the Bottle, yep. Um, it was it was one of the one of the many deck games that they would they would play on the P&O and Orient Line um, ships uh, on the long voyage to Australia when, when in a time when... Um, when passengers used to make their own entertainment on board because there wasn't any cruise stuff on board. So basically what you would have is, um, and there's there's actually photographic evidence to back up what I'm saying in okay. my latest video about P&O, which was um, just uploaded the other day on my, on my YouTube channel. You can see the photographs <laughs> of Push the Bottle. Um, so they would have the, the, the beer bottles or bottles of a similar size lined up in sort of like lanes on the boat yeah. deck. And contenders would use a, a long stick, sort of the length of a hockey stick with a kind of, um, you know, like a squared end to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they'd put it to the base of the bottle and push it along. And you kind of had to get the bottle to the finish line down the deck without knocking it over. Um, ah. And that was push the bottle. And, uh, you know, along with um, push the bottle, um, egg and spoon races, uh, beanbag relays, <laughs> those sorts of things. That was some of the entertainment that you'd have on, on those long trips across the world, but also um, on those early cruises that were happening 90 years ago as well. So well, I'm pretty that, happy things have progressed, I think. Oh, I, don't, I, I think that um, on, on some of the cruises that, that I've been on, I reckon it would be quite interesting to see what people would do if they, if they were asked <laughs> to play push the bottle. Oh, there's probably all sorts of health and safety involved now that would uh, say that we can't do that anymore, unfortunately. I was speaking to um, Harvey Deegan on 6PR, which is a, a local oh, yep, Australian yep. radio station, and I mentioned push the bottle to him. And um, he said he's seen some passengers on the ships pushing bottles in a different way. So, <laughs> you know, having a bit of fun at the bar. So I suppose yes, um, yes. The, the tradition continues. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well done, Chris. You stumped me on that one. Um, <laughs> look forward to uh, for, to the next episode for one more, hopefully. And don't forget, if uh, listeners, if you have got a uh, fact or fiction that you want to try and uh, send either to myself to try and catch out Chris or whether you want to send it to Chris directly so that he can try and catch out me. If you want to send it to me, it's via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show in the top right-hand corner. But if you want to send it to Chris, jump onto his website, uh, Chris Frame Official. Is that right, Chris? Uh, Chrisframe.com.au. There you go. Um, and uh, send it to him so that I don't get to see it beforehand. Yes. Now, Chris, let's we don't, take... we don't want Barry to know the answers before we start. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Chris, let's take a, uh, a short break, and we'll be back with the latest cruise news. Sounds good. 
Subscribe now and rate and review on your favourite podcast platform. Okay, Chris, the first one. Uh, we've been talking a lot about anniversaries and uh, birthday celebrations over the last couple of weeks for various different cruise lines. Next up, Penant, of course, the French flagged cruise line, is celebrating 35 years this year. Yes, it all started in 1988, which is incredible. Mm. Um, and they're... Their campaign, I suppose, at the moment is highlighting some of the, um, you know, commitments and expertise that they've developed over that that time. Mm. Um, one, for example, was uh, two years ago their LNG powered, their first LNG powered hybrid electric um, expedition Polar vessel, vessel, yeah, yeah, um, uh, made its vo- uh, voyage to the North Pole, for example. So mm. that's being sort of um, focused on. But they're also highlighting some of their environmental credentials as well. Yeah, and they're also uh, challenging themselves to uh, convert every one of their ships in the fleet to be uh, capable of taking shore power by 2026, which is only just around the corner. So uh, good good work on that one, Penant. And of course, the original ship that started all of this, the yacht Le Penant, um, is still in service. In fact, she's Mm -hmm. just been stripped back to uh, to the original structure and has been completely rebuilt on the inside and is looking spectacular. We're lucky that she's sailing the Kimberley uh, this year, uh, but will be returning to Europe for next year. Fantastic. Mm, yeah, well done, Penance. Uh, next up, uh, Silver Sea of this week announced a 140-day world cruise uh, to depart in 2026, and it's uh, been billed as the most diverse voyage ever. Where are we sailing from and to, Chris? So it's on board the um, Silver Dawn, um, mm-hmm. and yes, embarkation for the f- well from the start of the voyage starts in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, in in Florida, twenty twenty six in January, um, and as you say, seventy destinations across thirty seven countries. Um, so they've got um, a whole heap of uh, places they're going to be visiting uh, on their itineraries, um, mm. and they've actually broken it down into some sort of more co- sort of consumable segments as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can, uh, I guess, in the old school, we call it uh, sectors. This is a little bit different. They've, uh, but yeah, you could pretty much start from Fort Lauderdale. Um, you can embark in uh, New Zealand. You can embark in Singapore. Various different places. But the full voyage is actually 140 days, which is uh, Fort Lauderdale through to Lisbon. So it's not a full circumnavigation, but it's a very, very detailed voyage and uh, actually just a partial. It's not quite a full circumnavigation of Australia, but almost, um, which will be pretty spectacular. Um, but so much information on this one. Um, let's refer people back to the the show notes there to if they want to have a little further delve. One of the things that's interesting here is that they um, are, are making a, an effort to go to places that have had sort of cultural or scientific significance. So, for example, mm. they've highlighted that their um, voyage in Australia will be making calls along areas of land that inspired Charles Darwin, for example, when he was mm. um, coming up with his... Um, a theory of evolution back in at the 1830s. So, mm, yeah, and there's some uh, some cracking itinerary. There's some cracking destinations on, on that particular voyage. Um, and another cruise line that is also announcing new voyages. This time, new voyages up into the Arctic is actually Viking. Yeah, so they got this Northwest Passage um, voyage uh, up, um, thirteen day trip um, from Nook to Nook, mm. and uh, that. Um, is followed by a- another new Canada and Greenland Explorer voyage, which is a 15-day um, uh, voyage departing from um, Toronto. Mm. And then they've got a Canada and Northwest Passage, which is 27 days, uh, and that one's between uh, Nook and uh, Toronto. 
Yeah, no, I'm sure they'll be very, very popular. And of course, we're talking 2025 for, for those ones. Um, just staying with Viking briefly as well, they've actually introduced a new river cruise itinerary, which is uh, Treasures of the Rhine, which is actually operational over the winter period, which I'm seeing a lot more of this. Um, companies promoting... Uh, off-season or low-season departures where you can get up close and personal with the local destinations without, of course, all the, the huge numbers of tourists that may be there in the popular times of the year. So, yeah, well done up to Viking on that one. It's 10-day yeah. uh, Treasures of the Rhine. Yeah, and it's on their um, Viking longships, which are mm. 190 um, passengers in across 95 uh, cabins or staterooms on board. Mm -hmm. um, and these ships have quite a lot of amenities for, for um, you know, river vessels. They've got lounges, libraries, sun decks, and... Uh, uh, dining options on board as well and they have some some great features like solar panels that are used to help um, power the ship mm. you haven't done a river cruise have you i haven't no it sounds very and, tempting you need to try and work on that one <laughs> I know. let's throw it out into the universe i just need to spend my whole life on ships i suppose <laughs> uh, staying close to home this time coral expeditions which is a local uh, operator of small ship expedition cruises predominantly to the kimberley but also to tasmania south australia and uh, papua new guinea etc um, they've just installed some new next generation technology which is allowing uh, incredible uh, internet speeds chris yeah so you've got basically 4g broadband connectivity speeds across the fleet now um with this new uh new service and i suppose that's one of the things that um that the satellite technology and improvements in that in that area can can offer is that much greater connectivity with much more reliable and higher speed services. Um, yep. To remove one of the the greatest, I suppose, bugbears of of going on a cruise is typically being the slow internet speeds. <laughs> oh, even some ships still are very very slow, aren't they? It's it's pretty much oh, dial up be. speeds. <laughs> I know, and I mean, look, some people do argue that if you're on a holiday, you should just disconnect. And disconnect. Switch off. Yeah. But for crew, for example, who are away from family and friends at home, and particularly for um, those of us uh, like you and myself, Baz, who, who who are lucky enough to get to travel but do still have to work whilst we're away, yeah. having access to to reasonable speed, so you don't spend as much of your holiday just trying to upload and download documents would be um would be <laughs> wonderful. Excellent. Now, Chris, this last bit of news, I don't know who makes up these international days of, but uh, apparently um, today is officially International Burger Day. Who knew? Well, there's a good <laughs> and, excuse to go and get a burger. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Carnival, of course, does partner with Guy Fieri for Guy's Burger Joints across all ships in their fleet. Yep. They reckon that they will serve up 30,000 burgers today alone, and by the end of the year, the total will be somewhere in the region of about 10.5 million burgers. Yeah, I mean, that uh, they sound that sounds ridiculous, but it doesn't surprise me when you think about how many ships Carnival has in its fleet, how many passengers they have on board. Mm. Um, you know, just one ship alone would, would be serving over 2,000 burgers, surely, um, <laughs> particularly on a day like this. So, you know, and that's, that's another... Um, Another little interesting point is that you make about um, Guy's Burger Joint on board and how many of the different cruise companies, they, they, they do tend to sort of pride themselves on their ability to make the, the best burger at sea. And there's so many yeah. different <laughs> types of, um, uh, of outlets from Guy's on Carnivals to I think Johnny Rockets on, Car uh, on uh, Royal Caribbean. Yep. Um, some have their own sort of uh, specialty restaurant, even on, even on Cunard in the, um, in the veranda restaurant, the high, the extra tariff, you know, fancy restaurant they have the Cunard signature burger which you can which you can get there. i've never tried it myself but um it is it is part of the, the cruising culture i think <laughs> now i'm not a big burger fan but i have to say 
the guys' burgers are, are pretty impressive, and my kids in particular do love them. There are five key signature burgers, which I've uh, sent through to you, Chris. If you had to choose one of them, which one do you reckon you'd go for? Oh, let's see. Well, there's the there's the pig patty. I'm out on that one because I don't eat um, I don't eat bacon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that yep. makes people freak out. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to go through this list here. I mean, have you got one that you thought was your favorite? I, to be honest, I'm with the majority. I go for a plain Jane, and then yeah. just next to the burger bar, there's a, like a toppings bar, but you can kind of add whatever you want to, to your burger. Yeah, so that yeah. tends to be my little go-to. But uh, yeah, plain Jane actually accounts for, of the 10.5 million, they reckon plain Jane accounts for 3.7 million orders. Straight up, which is a classic burger, yeah, um, yeah. topped off with super melted cheese, lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle, and liberal slatherings of donkey sauce accounts for 3.2 million yeah the ringer which is topped off with uh, crispy spicy onion rings and barbecue sauce is 2.3 million mm. chilius maximus is 640,000, which is uh, the classic tasty patty topped off with a delicious chili or of course the pig patty which uh, you mentioned before which is yeah. a patty made out of crispy bacon accounts for 50 577,000 orders on that one. Yeah. Um, you know, the plain Jane's probably the one I'd go for too, but what I'm surprised on this, I'm, and maybe I'm misreading it, is it doesn't seem to be any vegetarian options. Uh, they do getting, actually have one. Yeah, they, they, do they do have one. Okay, yeah, because yeah, that's so popular now, um, having the uh, either the Beyond or um, Impossible patties and that for, for most yeah. of the burger joints here in Australia have, yeah. that, have that as quite a, quite a prominent option, but... Um, maybe it's just not one of the most popular ones. Perhaps that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they definitely have an option. They do. They do. Yeah. And Chris, that is actually all the cruise news that's around this week. There's actually not an awful lot going on this week. Well, you know, I think that the, the next logical thing for us to do is to work out what the international day of the Big Cruise podcast is going to be. So <laughs> everyone else has their international day. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I, think there is a, I think there is a day of pod, podcast day or international podcast oh, we day. we look uh, up that and find out. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and good little celebration. Okay, that sounds good. And we're not far off the 150th, of course. This is episode 142, oh, so we're eight off 150. We're getting there, and it's actually, you're right, I've just just done a quick search um, whilst we're here on, on air, and International Podcast Day is the 30th of September, um, oh. and it is an international celebration of the power of podcasts. So there we go. There you go. 30th of <laughs> September, we'll put that in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, Chris, you touched on a video that you, uh, you've put out this week, in fact, just a couple of days ago. Uh, just remind us what that is and where we find it. Yeah, so um, I was, uh, when I was on the uh, Pacific Explorer with, with you, actually, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back, um, Pendo asked a, f- a few questions for a recording about the history of the company and myself mm-hmm. and, and Marguerite Fitzgerald, the, the president of P&O. We, we both had a bit of a chat. So I've turned that into a um, into a video, which basically looks at, um, why Australia has basically loved Pendo as its main cruise brand for 90 years, and it's pretty pretty rare to have a a company that has been the sort of number one, I suppose, most synonymous brand with with anything for 90 years. Mm. Um, but in Australia, Pendo's been sort of like linked with that um, Australian cruise story for such a long time, and still remains, um, you know, the only one that has a dedicated full time all the time, big fleet of ships with a home-based office here, um, cruising here, even in the winter months, you know. Um, so I just had a little bit of a look at that. And I think a lot of it comes down to not only the Australian-style offering, but also the heritage that P&O has here with bringing so many people out to live in Australia. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, like you say, uh, for, for a long, long time, they were the only cruise line that was here year-round. Everybody else dropped in for a short three, four, five-month season. Um, yeah. That's obviously changed now. Princess is here year-round and a few others as well. But, yeah, um, Carnival yeah, they... has um, a year-round presence. But, you know, P&O has – well, it, at least it did pre-pandemic. But P&O has that um, that three ships dedicated here all the time. They don't they don't leave. They don't mm-hmm. – you know they have occasional voyages up to Singapore, but they they're like Australian home ported ships for their yep. entire careers. Um, and I think you know it, whilst it's great that obviously other cruise lines are here, um, even some of those other brands will will sort of substitute ships in and out from their larger fleet. Whereas the P and O Australia fleet is a dedicated yeah like Australian fleet, which is kind of unusual in our country. Mm. And it sounds so weird for people internationally who are used to having all these brands everywhere, but it's a bit of a unique <laughs> situation. And just a little bit of a look at, at why that is. Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, of course, we've always got the link to your YouTube channel in the show notes. And the link, uh, of course, will be there in this week's as well. So I uh, encourage everybody to take a little look at that. And we'll share it on the, the distribution on the Facebook pages as well. So thanks, mate. Sounds good. That's all we've got time for, mate. We're going to wrap it up pretty quickly this week. It's a short, sharp show. Um, but we'll be back next week with uh, some of the, the regulars. And don't forget, listeners, if you do want to get in touch, you can contact us via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and click on Join the Show. Or if you want to send a fact or fiction to try and stump me, send it to chrisframe.com to uh, to make sure I don't see it. Yeah, and I'm going to go and start researching Chris's question now because it's a good one. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. (laughs) Have a good week, mate. Speak to you next week. You too. Take care. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.